well. And you should have had him sing earlier. Grab your Bibles if you would. John chapter 13. I don't have anything to say after that. Because when you think... When you think of the greatness of the God that you have and the comparative of who you really are, the psalmist gets it pretty well with what is man that thou art mindful of him. You and I are a whole bunch of nothing compared to the greatness of a holy God. And it is an understatement when Jesus says, without me, ye can do nothing. And it is even more of a crazy thing to think that mankind thinks they can do anything without him. So, oh, I feel good. John chapter 13, verse number 31 John chapter 13, verse 31, he says this, uh, Therefore when he, that would be Judas Iscariot, who's about to betray Jesus, uh, we're getting right down to the end of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ here. He's going to finish up some things with his disciples. And he says this in verse 31, uh, Therefore when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while, I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Uh, then uh, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And he's going to get into the questions here with Simon, but not going to worry about that tonight. Uh, where he's going, these guys, they couldn't follow him at that particular moment. He's about to go to Calvary's cross. He's going to give his life for ransom for many. He's going to pay the dead of the sins of the world, he's going to go ahead and lay down his life. He's going to be glorified. That was the statement he made. Here's the moment I'm going to be glorified. Uh, it's all about, the choir was singing about it. It's all about he came to die. He came to give his life a ransom for many, to pay the debt of all of our sins. Jesus is obviously one of the most known and unique men that has ever been. Because he is God manifest in the flesh, showing up to the face of the earth to die for the sins of all of mankind. He is the only person to raise himself from the dead of his own power. He is the only one to be sinless, and he is the only one that can be the ultimate sacrifice for all of mankind's sin. Jesus Christ is God giving his life for his creation. That's what he's about to do. Right here, he's, he's getting ready. We follow this along. You get over to John chapter 18. He's taken John chapter 19. He's crucified, and away it goes. 
But here he's making these final statements to his disciples. Now his disciples are the ones that are following him along. And they're the ones who are learning from him. They've been with him now for about three and a half years at this point. They've been following him. They've been learning from him. Uh, they get The disciples get, the twelve especially, get some things that nobody else gets. Uh, they get a glimpse into Jesus that nobody else gets to see. They get some information from Jesus that nobody else gets. Uh, for instance, early in the book, right, he starts going through the parables, and he does the parable, and he does another parable, and does, but he'd pull the disciples aside, and he's explained to them the, the parable, right? He wouldn't tell everybody else, but he would tell his disciples what he meant by the parable. Uh, the ones that followed him always got more than anybody else got. Uh, over, you know, you think about even with, even with the feeding of the 5,000, uh, he feeds 5,000 men and women and children, uh, men plus women and children, I'm sorry. Uh, he goes ahead and feeds them all and the disciples, you know, you know what all those people didn't get? They didn't get a basket full. They got one meal. The disciples, you know what they got? They got 12 baskets filled to take back. Uh, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> Everybody else got one meal, they got several. Uh, that's just the way the Lord works. Uh, he is constantly, he does certain things with them that nobody else gets to see. Uh, nobody else got to see him walk on water. But they did. Uh, nobody else, uh, a few of them got to go in and see him raise people from the dead that nobody else got to see. Uh, two of them, right, they go up, Peter, James, and John go up with him onto the Mount of Transfiguration. They get to see some things that nobody else gets to see. The disciples get to see and they get to have a part in some things that nobody else gets to see because they were willing to follow Jesus. They were willing to go with Him. They were willing to learn. They were willing to do it His way. Uh, they were learning His way. A disciple is someone who is going to learn and follow and do what their master shows them. They're learning from one so that they can go ahead and teach others also. It's the practice of being a disciple so that you can then become a master to teach someone else behind you. And Jesus is making these final statements, and he starts here in John chapter 13, and he makes the statement to them, a new commandment in verse number 34, I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Now he's talking to the 11, Judas has left, he's talking to his 11 men that have been following him and he says, hey look, if you want to be my disciple, if you really want to finish this, I'm about to die. <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere, you're going to be left here. If you're going to be my disciple, there's a few things you better know. And there's a few things that you're going to have to do to really be a disciple. And I was ready to preach this morning. I was ready to preach this message this morning. Brother Larry was getting licensed this morning. So, Brother Larry, you got two messages on the day that were all about the same kind of theme going, all right? Uh, going toward that same idea. And uh, honestly, the truth is that you and I are supposed to be, if we're saved in here, if we have Jesus Christ as our Savior, if we have trusted that Jesus died for our sins, He was buried and He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, if we've trusted Him, we've turned 
from doing whatever else we thought was going to make it and get us into heaven and gone ahead and turned and realized, hey, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, and we asked Jesus Christ to be our Savior. We called upon Him, and He said that if thou shalt confess to thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We got a Savior that day that we called upon Him, and we asked Him to save us. And we're saved for all of eternity, but in this life, you and I have been left here to do some things. And to live up, ultimately, to live up to the person who we're supposed to be following. (laughs) We're supposed to be following, and you and I understand we will never live up to the greatness of Jesus. (laughs) We, we We don't make it, all right? Even after salvation, we stumble, we stagger, we do some stupid things, we fail often probably far more often than we should. and But are we even trying to follow our Master? Are we even try, trying to be a good disciple and go ahead and do what He asked and to see some things? And I, have, I only have three. There's more than this. I only have three tonight because I don't want to go very long. But uh, I have three things that I look at and I thought, boy, that, that describes those disciples pretty well. And it fulfills some of the things the Lord asked us to do, and maybe the vast majority of them. And so tonight, I just want to give you three things about how to be a disciple. And let's have a word of prayer, and we'll, we'll get right in. Father, I thank you for the night, and I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ coming and giving his life a ransom to pay the debt of my sins. But Father, not just mine, the debt of the sins of an entire world. And Lord, I pray tonight if someone here is lost without a Savior, I pray they wouldn't leave that way. They'd call upon Jesus Christ. They'd get in line with the idea of following Him. But Lord, I pray they would get eternal life tonight by having their sins forgiven forever. And Lord, we pray that uh, You'd help us to maybe see some things we could do a little bit better so we could be a better follower of our Savior. We pray You'd get all the praise, the honor, and the glory. We love You tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing I want you to see is uh, right here in the passage, I read it twice already, right? Verse number 34 and verse number 35, he wants you to have a great care. There ought to be some care for the brethren, a love for the brethren. And he tells them this isn't, now this is, the interesting thing is this isn't a uh, good suggestion. He purposely tells you a new commandment I give unto you. Now, the world today, we know the world today goes, well, you know, I loved that person and then I don't love them anymore and I fell out of love and I fell into love and love is... No, you didn't. You, their love is a choice. The command is given, well, then it's a choice. It's not, it's not, well, I don't know if I feel it. No, he said, I command you to love one another. Now, liking and loving, see, this is the thing, liking isn't loving. I like people, and I dislike other people. (laughs) But if they're the brethren, you ought to love them. You ought to love them. Now, I've had disagreements with people about where I went to school and where they went to school and who's right and who's wrong, and really, let's face it, nobody cares. Uh, The Lord doesn't care. Uh, the Lord cares, what are you doing right now? Uh, you can go ahead and, and grab the moniker if you want to and, and carry a banner and feel free. Uh, and I love where I went to school, so it doesn't matter to me. But ultimately, you realize that that's not the main thing. 
the camp that you went to, I went and I preached a conference. I used this message because I was, I was asked to preach on unity because he felt, the pastor there felt like there was a lot of disunity uh, among churches because of different schools and different beliefs. So I got brought in because, well, y'all know uh, why I got brought in. And uh, I'm, I was the odd one. Let's just put it that way. I was the odd man out uh, going to the school I went to. And so, of course, I was the odd man out. I got lambasted from the first preacher, and then I got to be the second one. And this was my opening text. And the first thing I said about it was, you, you got to like, it, liking is not loving. That was point number one. Liking is not loving. And they amened, and they loved it. And then I said, uh, but loving is commanded. And by the time I got done preaching... They found out where I had gone to school because I told them. They found out everything else. And you know what? I ate lunch alone that day. Room full of preachers. You say, oh, were you hurt and insulted? And No, I felt bad for them. I felt bad for them. They amended my entire first point. I hit my second point and they couldn't figure out that point one and point two went together because they stopped listening. That's sad. Because they can't figure out a new commandment I give on you that you love one another. It doesn't matter where I went to school. It doesn't matter where they went to school. I don't care. I want to know, do you believe that book? Do you believe in Jesus? Did you trust Him as your Savior? Do you preach the gospel clean? Nothing added, nothing taken away. Don't diminish. Don't. Are you preaching the truth? If you're preaching the truth, we can, can two walk together? Well, yeah, as long as they're agreed. But until they disagree... Oh, well, yeah, but we disagree on this minor thing over here. Well, that's not, that's not a thing. <laughs> get over it. Agree to disagree at that point. Get the gospel to somebody. Work a little harder on putting the gospel out to something. You know, they can't get past the idea of love versus like. Look, I don't have to like somebody to love them. Uh, there's people that, that will drive you insane. And you know what you ought to do? Pray for them a little more. Love them a little bit. Lord, answer their prayers. I don't know what's going on in their life. You say, what will that do? That'll help you love them. It's a little bit better. Love them a little more. There's people, there's people that, you, that you go, well, my personality is not the same. Absolutely. You, you're not going to be the best of friends. You're probably not going to hang out every night of the week. All right? I get it. They won't be your first phone call when you have a problem. But there are ways you love one another. You reach out, you pray for them, you try to encourage them, you try to let them know that you still you care about them. There's a care that's supposed to be there. In fact, the level of care is so much in this passage that his statement is, by, uh, as I have loved you. Oof. We'll say, how did, how did Jesus love us? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Oof. God loved us enough, Jesus Christ loves us enough that he goes ahead and lays down his life for the sheep. He, Paul's statement for himself was, I will gladly spend and be spent. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. His love for them wasn't conditional on whether or not they loved him. It was that I will gladly spend. It's going to cost me something. Doesn't love cost you something? Jesus Christ willing to love. 
love people who aren't lovable. We just, I mean, he's singing how great thou art tonight. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm lousy. Why would he love me? I'm thinking about this right here. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life. And the Lord goes, I love you. For God so loved the world. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon. You have more verses. I mean, the love of Jesus Christ shed abroad. And you and I are looking at it going, I don't know why he'd love me. And then you look over at your brother in Christ and you go, boy, I don't know how to love them. And the Lord says, how about you love them like I loved you? You weren't very lovable when I found you either. And you love them. You find ways to give so that they can have. Pastor went to the passage. We won't go there tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the definition. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Maybe just be kind to them. And put up with the things that you don't really like about them because their personality isn't, isn't really the greatest. Say, I don't like this plan. Okay, well, take it up with the one who gave you the command. He's your master. The master gave the command. And he didn't tell you to do something he wasn't doing. He said, hey, you do it the way that I did it. He says uh, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 1, nice little short verse, you want a nice memory verse? There you go. Let brotherly love continue. That's the whole verse. There you go. You got a nice memory verse. If you haven't had one for a while, there you go. Hebrews 13, 1. Let brotherly love continue. You got to love the brethren. By this, you know why this is so strange? You know why this is so difficult? Because the world doesn't love people they don't like. They have a hard time loving people they do like. Because as soon as they don't like them for a half a second, they're cut off. They're canceled, right? Culture we live in, it's canceled. Just, no, we're done. You said the wrong thing one time. You didn't say it the way I like it, so obviously you must be, and they eliminate you. The Lord, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If, if you can figure it out, if ye have love one to another. This is... This is the bar standard for the Lord, I think. I'm starting, this is probably the largest right here. Because if you get this in order, the rest of them are easy. If you can follow the fact that the Lord loved you enough to give his life a ransom for many and pay the debt of all of your sins, he loved you enough to give his life for you, and you could figure out how to do some of those things in the lives of your brothers and sisters those that are saved around you, you can figure out how to gladly spend and be spent for their sakes. You know what you could do? You could do anything else on the list I have because it wouldn't really be a sacrifice anymore. It would be out of love and care for the brethren. You know, I'm not going to name all the guys because there were, there were a few guys that helped this morning, made sure that the ladies didn't go in the ladies' room. Get stung again. All the young ladies did. Made sure of things. And you know what? Most of the people in this room had no idea what was happening. Pastor was preaching. People were listening. I was trying not to let it distract. I know we had some, some friends and family members here. It was a special day for Brother Larry for the morning. I really didn't want to 
get anything, you know, and we were trying to be as quiet and but try and figure out what needed to be done right away versus what could wait and how to do all those things. And those guys just wanted to make sure everybody was safe. And you know what they did? I, I'll be, I don't like bees personally. I'm not a huge fan. I kill them. Uh, I don't mind killing them. I'll kill them. But uh, yeah, I don't want to mess. I don't want to tangle with a nest in a small enclosed area. In case you're wondering, not really my idea of fun. But you know what they said? We, we got to take care of that. And we'll take care of that, Pastor. We'll take care of that. You say, what is that? That's a labor of love. I don't know about you. I'm not really going, I'm not up for doing that just, just for fun. That doesn't sound like fun to me. Going into a small enclosed area, not sure of where the nest is, slide a ceiling tile out and try and go ahead and, and tangle with a whole nest full of bees and you have no idea how big it is. Say, so why'd they do that? Uh, probably because they love the Lord and they love making sure everybody here is safe and they went ahead and just took care of them. That doesn't seem very big. Yeah, that's, that's a, a little bit of sacrifice right there. That's a little bit of love right there. That doesn't seem big. I bet that seems pretty big to the Lord. Go ahead and take care of something like that. Little things. Little things. You see somebody else has a need and you just kind of slide over. I had somebody one time, I was in, uh, I was in Pensacola. I was at school. And uh, my second year, third year student, he goes ahead and he, he goes, Hey, uh, I don't know why the Lord told me to do this for you. And he handed me a $100 check. And I said, we're both students. I'm thinking, brother, you don't, you don't need to be giving me anything, you know. And he goes, Lord told me to. He said, a third-year guy ahead of me, he goes, I don't know who started this, but a third-year guy ahead of me cut me a check for 100 bucks last year. And, I just, and he told me, just pass it on. He goes, and somebody had told him to go ahead and pass it on, and to pass it on, and to pass it on. And I got to be in on that, and I passed it on. My next year, I... Found, I prayed about it and found somebody and gave them $100 check. You say, did they need it? I have no idea what they needed it for. I knew one thing. He gave me that check, and I needed it. He had no idea I needed it. So what did he do? Just a little. Whoever started that thing, that was just love. He saw a need for somebody else, gave him 100 bucks, said, hey, you pass that on next year. Help somebody. Find somebody to help. Was that? That's just a little love. It doesn't sound like a lot. It might be a lot to somebody. It might be just the encouragement and just the strength that they need to do what? Just to make another step forward. Just to not quit today. You know this world has? This world has the idea that nobody loves anybody else and nobody cares about anybody else and it's me first and you last and it's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take what I can get. That's why they don't understand. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. So shall, look at that, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. The earmark of the Christian that is a follower of Jesus Christ is that they'd love anybody, everybody else. <laughs> they'd go ahead and they'd take care of the brothers and sisters around them. That's a pretty good earmark, that you love the brethren. I better move on. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I didn't want to be long, so I only did three points. So it's a good thing that's my long one, all right? The next two are pretty quick, I think. Because honestly, if you have that in order, 
what wouldn't you do at that point? What wouldn't you do if, if your love is right? If your heart is in the right place and you're trying to listen and do what the master would have wanted you to do. If you, want, if you want Jesus Christ running the place and doing exactly what he wants you to do, the love that you have for the brother, you know what you'll do? You'll see the need, you'll take care of the need, everything else is done. I don't really need to preach anything else. But the sad part is we often don't get there, so i got to give it a couple other spots so that you make sure you understand, hey, we're all moving it into the same direction. I find if our heart's right, the rest of us will be right. It's the inside out. Too many people worry about the outside and what they can see, and the Lord says, I don't see as man seeth. I'm looking at the heart and the love that you have. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1, he says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now I know the rest of the passage, and I'm not going to read it for now. Uh, but notice what he said, if you'd bear somebody else's burden, you know what you would do? You would fulfill what? The law of Christ. Are laws suggestions or are those kind of like commandments? That would be like a commandment. <laughs> you all are lawbreakers probably because not, not one of us drove 55 miles an hour probably here exactly driving down 104. Uh, I know Brother James didn't. Brother Joe did. He Actually, I believe that one. Man. All right, so I had one. All right. Uh, the rest of you lawbreakers. Um, right? Yeah. I, the law technical is if you hit 56, you've broken the law. You went past the limit, right? The law is the law. If you wanted to go letter of the law, that's what you do. That's the Pharisee, right? The letter of the law, everything's perfectly contained within the law, and you have to do everything, and everything has to be, and they can't figure out why it's there, but they do it. But the Lord says, hey, you know what? If you'd bear one another's burdens, you'd fulfill the law of Christ. Say, so what is that part of? That's part of that commandment he gave you. To love one another. It's to, it's to go ahead and carry somebody else's burden. It's to carry their burdens. You know, there's a lot of ways to carry burdens. Wednesday nights we come together, we take prayer requests up, and we bear some burdens. That's a good time to bear some burdens. Sometimes we have, and it sometimes is a vast number of unspoken requests. And those unspoken requests come out. You say, what is that? That's a burden they can't tell you about, but a burden you ought to bear. Uh, you don't have to necessarily know what's going on to be able to bear some burdens. Uh, you can go ahead and bear some burdens just through prayer. No idea what's happening. Just take the burden and go ahead and pray. You realize Jesus Christ looked at the disciples and he said, he looks at Peter and he says, Hey, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have thee that he may sift thee as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. I don't know anybody else better praying for you than Jesus. Um, he was praying for his disciples. He looked at Peter, he goes, Hey, Peter, uh, they the devil wants you. He's looking to sift you. He's looking to change this and tear this up and but I'm praying. Maybe it's just your prayer life will be enough to, for you to be fulfilling the law of Christ. If you'd be willing to pray for your brothers and sisters. Go, hey, I don't know, Lord, I don't know what they're going through, but you, you take care of them, help keep meeting their needs. 
Maybe you don't know what they're going through, but Lord, they, they looked a little different today. Pay attention. Hey, you know, I know pastor's hurting today. Pray for him, you know. And Hey, I know, I know so-and-so. They've been going through some things. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm praying that you just get them through. Get them through. I don't know what will fix it, but you know what will fix it. Get them through. Maybe you've got some people who are closer to you. And you do know the burdens that they have. You know the problems they're going through. You know the sins they struggle with. You know the problems that they have in their personal life that they're dealing with and they're struggling with. And maybe it's not that you need to step in and, you know, literally take things from them. And maybe it is just, Lord, you know the specifics and now your prayer life can become very specific. Maybe you don't know what's happening with somebody on the opposite side of the room, but you know somebody who's sitting in your same row and they're dealing with, you say, Lord... I don't know how they're going to get victory, but you do. Give them some wisdom. If I can help, let me know how to help more than just praying. And maybe there's somebody who comes to you and says, I don't know what to do with this. And you get to say, well, let's see. And you open up your Bible and you start showing them some things. To do what? To help them bear their burden. To pray with them. To spend time with them to help them get a victory past whatever it is they're dealing with so that they can be strong enough to bear. Every man must bear his own burden, he says at the end of the passage. You can't hold them up forever, but you can hold on for a little bit. Get them to where they can stand and do what they need to do again. Our problem becomes that we are so self-centered with our own problems and our own things and our own stuff that no man is willing to look on the needs of others. Heard a little bit about that in Sunday school. Every man is so concerned about their own needs that they don't look around and go, what could I do to help anybody else? They become so self-centered that they implode. (laughs) They get nothing done because they're too concerned about their own things. And they don't look at anybody else's. You know, the Lord looks down at a creation and he says, boy, they got a problem. And he says in Isaiah chapter 53, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You know, when Christ died, he died for our sins, I believe that. Right? But there was more to it than that. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows that's tied along with maybe the ramifications and the judgment and the condemnation and the sentencing that goes along with our sin but he's the one who wants to bear your burdens and your griefs and your sorrows that's why he's the all-sufficient comforter who comforteth us in all our tribulations He wants to be the comforter. He wants to help you bear your burdens. Maybe you'd be willing to be a comfort to somebody else. That'd be a good burden bearing. Say, what will that do? Oh, just fulfill the law of Christ. You want to follow the Lord? Love the brethren. You want to follow the Lord? Carry Carry some other burdens for some people. Help them. Lift them up. Last one. Acts chapter 4. 
since you all know my fondness for alliteration, it is the care for the brethren, the carry, carrying of the burdens. and the conversation of boldness. Acts chapter 4, you know what's happening. And for the sake of time, I won't read the whole passage. Verse number 1, of course, they've come up to the temple and so on. And they're going to go arrest them, right? You get down to verse number uh, uh, 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now, you gotta, you got to take a moment here and think about this. Here's Peter. They're pulled up in front, right? They are arrested. They're brought in, and they're being questioned about what has happened to this impotent man, right? They're brought in, and they're getting questioned, and Peter is about to answer. And instead of being sheepish and answering, now these people have the power, ultimately, earthly power, to go ahead and do whatever it is they're going to do. And his statement to the rulers of Israel that, are, that have him under arrest, the same guys who turned Jesus over to be crucified. He looks at them and he says, uh, well, by the way, if, uh, if we're getting questioned about this idea of this impotent man being healed, uh, then I'm going to tell you. <laughs> now, he doesn't even just say, uh, yeah, we did it, we healed him. No, no, he goes in and makes sure they understand, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and he slides in, whom you crucified. <laughs> by the way, that's the guy you crucified. Don't worry, it's by his power and his name. Whom God raised from the dead. That's the thing you don't want to believe about. You crucified him, and he came up three days later, and you're buying people off to make it so that they can't say that. Right? This is, you talk about boldness. He's standing here, and you know what his statement is? Hey, you killed him, he rose from the dead, you couldn't stop him, and now he's the one fixing this impotent man over here, and it's his power, and it is Jesus who you rejected, verse number 11. This was the stone that was set at naught at you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And then he makes sure they understand you can't get salvation without Jesus. Uh. <laughs> and then their statement about Peter and John is, these guys are unlearned and ignorant men. I'll take that. I'm okay with that. But they marveled. And they took knowledge of them. 
because the one difference was they had been with Jesus. I find a law then that if you're really a disciple of Jesus Christ, you'll have boldness. It's a byproduct. You get around Jesus, you realize Jesus, even as a child, had boldness. He's disputing with them in the temple at 12 years old. Boldness. They marveled at him. Later, in the book of Matthew, they said that they marveled at him. Why? Because he taught as one having authority, boldness, and not as one of the scribes. Jesus was bold. I don't know if you get much bolder than Jesus. Standing there and whipping people and throwing them out of the... <laughs> right? I mean, he's, he's so bold, he's making his own whip. I mean, that's pretty good right there. He braids the cord and he goes in and knocks them all out of the... Throws over the tables and out they go. What's he do? Just bold. Bold. You know what Peter and John had? They had boldness. You are told repeatedly to not be ashamed. Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Uh, our problem, you say, what are these guys, why are these guys so bold? Because they knew what they believed and they were with Jesus. I find when you spend more time with Jesus, you become more bold no matter what the world says. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know, the world will notice if you've been with Jesus. By this shall all men know that you're my disciple. If you start taking on the attributes of Jesus Christ, a loving God, who'd be willing to lay down His life for the brethren, you go ahead and bear somebody else's burdens when it could cost you. It could cost, but love and sacrifice are always a cost. And the Lord was willing to pay it. He looks and he says, okay, now would you be bold for me? You know, if we'd love him enough, I think our boldness would show off. You know, If you love somebody, you don't, care to, you don't care about anybody knowing you associate with them. Isn't that the truth? You know, that's uh, the idea, right? The wife takes the husband's last name. Why? Because she's going to associate with him now. It's the association moment. She's going to join with him. The two are going to become one flesh. They're perfectly okay with that. When you got married to Jesus Christ, that was your salvation. You're, you're, you're espoused. You were supposed to take his name. And you aren't supposed to be ashamed to identify with him. But sadly, Christians get ashamed of him. I think it's because they don't spend any time with him. They don't spend much time, and so you know what they don't do? They're unwilling to say things like, neither is there salvation in any other. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. Were Peter and John worried about offending anybody right here? I'm just, it doesn't sound like it. There, Acts chapter 7, was Stephen worried about offending the high priest? And, well, yeah, but he died for that. Yeah, because he loved his Savior enough to die for it. 
he loved those people enough to tell them the truth. Say, well, what will it be? Well, maybe, well, maybe it'll be a little bit of boldness for you. Look over at Hebrews chapter thirteen, and I'm done. Not too bad. Not too bad. Hebrews chapter thirteen. Now, if we're going to be disciples, I think one of the greatest things is that you figure out how to love one another. You find out to love the brethren. And it's not easy. You've got to choose to do it. Because we don't like everybody. We don't get along with everybody the same way. We're not, you know, all these cookie cutter. We're exactly the same when we all do the same things and we have the same interests. And some people are easier. You're going to naturally gravitate and have certain things in common and certain things are going to flow and certain things are going to be easier outside of different things. We understand that. But that doesn't mean you can't love them. Because love's a choice. You can choose to love them. You can choose to pray for them and bear their burdens. And you can go ahead and decide whether or not you're going to carry somebody else's burden or not. But I think the idea of loving our Savior is contained within boldness. Verse number 5. Let your conversation, your way of life, be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He is willing to identify with you. Verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Boldness is the question of, will God take care of me or not? I love him. He loves me, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, then I can boldly say the Lord is my helper. If you spend a lot of time, you may gain a whole lot of boldness. If you'd be willing to spend some time loving Him, loving the brethren, bearing some burdens and spending time before a throne talking to your Savior about some folks about what they need. And you know, the problem that people have with that is they don't, want, they don't want to be the one to help anybody. It's kind of the idea that the Lord looks out and he says, I look onto the fields for they are white already on the harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he may send forth laborers into his harvest. And we say that and then other people are like, yeah, but if I pray, he may send me. Well, I, I may pray for somebody else's burdens, but if I do that, maybe the Lord will tell me how to help them with their burden. And then I'm obligated to try and help them. Absolutely. All the more reason to go, and, go ahead and pray for them and find a door of opportunity to help them and have some boldness in your witness, in your day-to-day -day confidence. That what? That you and the Lord are on the same page. You're walking together. That provides great boldness. Daniel didn't seem to be very afraid. He was always seen, Daniel always seemed to be bold. I mean, he's getting thrown a lion's den, and he's just like, oh, don't worry. I'm fine. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, right? They seem to not have any care going into a fiery furnace. Why? Because they had great confidence in their God that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Have some confidence. What? That the Lord is your helper. Don't, don't, don't get arrogant. 
but you can be bold. You could be bold and stand there and say, hey, I know what the Lord did for me. He can do it for you. A great disciple, you know what they'll be? They'll be someone willing to proclaim the salvation that is offered because of Jesus Christ. Tonight, the question of how to be a disciple, well, you follow the Lord. Now, these are three good spots the Lord does. He loves us. He lays down His life for us. He went ahead and carried our burdens, and He taught as one with authority. He was bold. Maybe those are three attributes you don't quite have. Maybe tonight's tonight you go, Lord, I'd like to have those. I'm not as bold as I want to be. I don't love as much. I don't carry. I don't worry about other people's burdens. I'm too self-centered on some things. Okay. Then maybe tonight you go, I, I want to be a little bit better of a disciple. Can I, can I get that? Lord, can you help me figure that out? There's something I can do? Help me. Direct it. Let's go ahead and stand. Lord has done amazing things. How great Thou art. He is an unbelievably great God. And I would be remiss tonight if I didn't remind you that this is a moment, and this is kind of an odd moment if you're not really in church, but this is a moment where we say, you know, you can come to the altar. That's this front area right here. You can talk to the Lord one-on-one. You get some things straightened out. But maybe tonight you don't know if you're saved. You don't know if heaven would be your home. You've never followed Jesus Christ at all because you don't know him as your Savior. He can't be your master if he's not your Savior. You can't follow him if he never saved you. And if you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, we would love to take a Bible, open it up and show you what God says about your sin, about heaven and how you can have it, and the free gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ provided. We'd love to show you. A man with men and boys, a lady with ladies and girls, and go ahead and show you from the Word of God how you can know that you have eternal life. It's a promise of God. You can have it by His promise. If you'd be willing. You can come ahead and just get my attention. We'll gladly have somebody take a Bible and show you. If you're saved in here tonight, maybe you just hadn't been following as well as you thought you were. And maybe you just kind of, you were doing good for a while and maybe... Maybe here you let a couple things slip and you're going, well, you know what, I, I just, we quickly get self-centered. I mean, just, I mean, in a de- just a moment, we just suddenly are like, oh, it's about me for a minute. Maybe you just need to change some things tonight. Go ahead and do it. Father, I thank you for the night. I thank you. Lord, you are good to us. And your mercies and your compassions, I thank you that your mercies, they fail not. Lord, I pray that you would help us to try and stay the course to be the right disciple we ought to be and finish well until... Father, we hear a trumpet sound, or you take us home. I pray, Father, each and every one of us would finish well. Lord, if someone is lost in here tonight, I pray they wouldn't leave that way. They'd call upon Jesus Christ alone and know their sins are forgiven forever. Lord, come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen.